It's a special message, Danielle, and it comes from the heart. <laughs> Believe in yourself. That's the place to start. Why do you know the lyrics to all of this? <laughs> Why would you know the lyrics to the Arthur song? It's a banger. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Book Retort Winter Bazaar! Yay! We're bizarre. <laughs> I'm Sam. <laughs> I'm Danielle. And this is the podcast about sharing your weird media finds with your friends, and in this instance, your weird winter-slash-holiday media finds. And this Yay! this is Sam's baby today. My, my baby? Your baby. Your little Winter Bazaar baby. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> You're going to share it with us. You share your baby. <laughs> no, stop saying baby! What's with you? <laughs> Let's move away from the baby talk quickly, Danielle, because I have quite, oh, it's something I got for you. And it's apparently not about Sasquatches like last year, you know. I was very disappointed. I did not find another holiday Sasquatch film. To be fair, I didn't look, but you know, I figured I'd, I'd keep you in your toes, shake it up this year with a 2013 film called Christmas Bounty. Christmas Bounty. Okay. But before we get to all that, Danielle, you have something you want to share with us. Yes. Before we get on with the show, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to a fellow book podcast new to the club. Yeah, more books. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a podcast by someone named Philip, and he actually started a podcast previously called Mind Duck Japan that's been around for quite a while now. It's really interesting. They moved to Japan and started a podcast about their experience with Japanese culture and life in a different country. Language and all kinds of interesting little yeah, tidbits. Yeah, all, all sorts of super interesting stuff. And they just recently started two new spinoff podcasts. One is Mind Duck Games and Anime, and the other is Mind Duck Books. So obviously, we're giving a shout out to the book podcast. Yeah, read more <laughs> books. Even though we don't do a lot of books in our episodes, we still love them. We do lots of books, Sam. We do enough. And so like I said, it's newly released. Their first episode focuses on a book by this highly acclaimed Japanese writer. And Philip is joined by some co-hosts, Paolo and Martin. They chat about the book. They actually split the episode up into general thoughts and then a more in-depth with spoilers and there's lots of timestamps, which is which is great if you want to avoid those spoilers yeah unlike us no. which uh look if you yeah. if you listen to us you know you're getting spoilers but if you listen to philip he's a professional they don't do spoilers i <laughs> they mean they give you spoilers. warning at least <laughs> uh yeah no amount of timestamps could contain our spoilers in our episodes <laughs> so <laughs> anyway we recommend that you check them out support a cool podcasts and a fellow book podcast absolutely also I want to give a shout out to their YouTube page, which has yes. a lot of really cool videos about their trips and, and places they go in Japan. So not really a podcast, but also pretty cool. It is. And again, that's Mind Duck Books. Mind Duck Japan is the main podcast, and they can be found on your usual suspects like Apple, Spotify, your favorite podcatchers, etc. Yeah, check them out. All right. But now back to Christmas Bounty. Is it about a bounty hunter? <laughs> Danielle, please, we'll get to that. Well, <laughs> just went with the obvious. I'm just not sure. <laughs> First things first, I do want to mention that this was a WWE Studios production. And that's definitely about a bounty hunter or like somebody <laughs> who kidnaps Santa and holds him for a bounty. I don't know. <laughs> well, instead of just flailing around guessing, Daniel, why don't you look at the description I'm about to send you? Okay, let's do this. 
It says Tori, a teacher at an exclusive Manhattan private school, is a former bounty hunter. Called it! Yeah, Such of course, a winner. obviously. <laughs> Who is forced out of retirement for one final capture. With her current fiancé in the fold, she gets help from her former bad boy boyfriend. Oh, that was a sentence. To yeah. get one last capture of a former capture. <laughs> seeking revenge while trying to keep her fiance from finding out her dangerous past she has one last capture of a former capture yeah parse that sentence one's a verb (laughs) one's a noun okay well that's a choice that of the person who wrote that (laughs) you can thank the hive mind of wikipedia they surprisingly sparse wikipedia page for this movie yes surprisingly sparse shocking really uh i don't know there's some very dedicated wwe fans out there whom i respect greatly and i would expect to have this filled out in much greater detail well now you know well no i don't but here we are all right let's just get right into it because i don't know this is a movie (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do it. Was this a made-for-TV movie, I assume? Yes. Okay. In conjunction with ABC Family, so it's a Disney movie, Danielle. Excellent. I mean, all movies are Disney movies right now, let's be honest. kind of, yeah. (laughs) So we open with some generic Christmas songs. We pan over Manhattan. And all the credits are in red and green papyrus font, so choices have been made already in this film. (laughs) The best font, Sam. Mm, Yeah, no. (laughs) Sam's a font snob. <laughs> uh, I'm a font snob. I just think it's not very creative or original or uh, particularly good looking font. <laughs> <laughs> you tell them, dear papyrus font makers. It does well for what it does, but like, don't use it in every movie ever. <laughs> okay. Anyway, moving on. Anyway, Danielle, if you'll Sorry. stop trying to attack me. We cut to a school with kids dressed up, presumably for a holiday pageant. We see one of the teachers, Tori, we'll learn later, and she is glad to see her boyfriend, James, showed up. And she wasn't like sure he would make it, but I don't know why he wouldn't. And he shows her some app on his phone that like shows two little pings, two little hearts that are the relative locations of them. So it's like always showing where they are relative to each other. And it's not creepy at all. So he has a tracker app on his phone? Yeah, that app they both have that always shows their relative locations to each other. Eh, yeah, that's a choice. It's a choice. I don't know if it's a good choice. It's a choice. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be used in the movie. Oh, extensively. So they're speaking of going to something called the Valentine Capital Holiday Party, which is presumably where this guy works. We'll learn later that he is a Valentine of the Valentine Capital family. So there you so- go. It's like the company. Yeah, exactly. Okay. We then cut to later on after the pageant, which we don't get to see. Aw, it's so sad. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just gloss over it. Kids don't matter. <laughs> So another teacher comes up to Tori saying one of the students is missing and she's kind of like freaking out of it, which seems like extreme for, you know, just a moment where you haven't found this kid in the last 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. So Tori's like, you know, you go check this classroom. I'll go check this one and uh, we'll see what we can find them. Uh, That's when Tori looks at the window conveniently just in time to see a kid being ushered into a black SUV by a man. See, that's when you panic. (laughs) Yeah. Who is this man, Danielle? Presumably not someone who should be taking this kid. Keep that assumption in mind. I would assume that. So Tori tells her boyfriend that she left her scarf in a classroom and if you go get it for her. And after he leaves, she climbs out the window and watches the SUV drive away and then runs along the roof of the building and then jumps like spread eagle onto the roof of the SUV, (laughs) sticks her head down in front of the windshield wiper and goes like, stop! I appreciate her commitment to the children. The person clearly stops, and as he breaks hard, she goes flying over the hood of the car onto the ground. Clearly not the brightest bulb here, Tori. (laughs) 
Forgets about all of that physics stuff. We should have rescued the child that was supposedly taken by somebody who wasn't supposed to have the child, Sam. So she pulls this man out of the car and slams him against the car, and the kid yells, Hey, that's my dad, Miss Bell. Aww. Tori is uh, surprised by this, because she did not want to consider that maybe this was a parent of the child that she knows. <laughs> I guess it depends on how the kids were being picked up at the end of this uh, little extravaganza. Well, Tori quickly pivots from surprise to, oh, the faculty was informed that your visitation rights were suspended. (laughs) To which the man replies, it's Christmas. Oh, okay. Well, then feel free. Take the child. (laughs) Couple things to unpack here. Uh, One, I guess parents are telling the teachers all the visitation rights are suspended. Well, if the teachers are in charge of the children getting picked up at the schools, I would assume that they would have to know who is allowed to pick up or not pick up the child. Yeah. And then you would think that Tori would know who this is when she's suddenly surprised. Anyway, Tori is unmoved by this and tells the kid to say goodbye and go back to the school. The kid hugs his dad and they both say, I love you. And then after the kid leaves, she threatens to call the cop on the dad unless he calls them on himself because that'll somehow make them go easier on him <laughs> like what's he gonna do call say hey i just tried to pick up my child come arrest me like what <laughs> and i think she's instantly the worst person in this movie has anybody contacted the other Mom? parent yeah no no oh, that seems like the first step you think right i get i don't know the circumstances are about the suspension visitation rights for this guy but from what we've seen so far he seems like a great dad his kid loves him they're not like there's no tension between them he's very loving towards his child so maybe there's some reason here but the movie does a very poor job of painting this out to be a severe situation and not just a kid and his dad and a teacher trying to break them up mm-hmm. <laughs> so i instantly don't like tori at this point <laughs> I mean, that's probably her job, but it doesn't sound like she's going about it in a very good way. Uh, no. Also, she is crazy. We'll get to that. <laughs> so we cut to Tori and her boyfriend James at a swanky party. To give you a taste of the stellar dialogue in this movie, James says, Before my mother gets here to berate you, I just gotta say, you look amazing. Then Tori goes, Oh, ho, ho. flattery will get you everywhere. James is the boyfriend, right? Valentine? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Glad you could keep that straight for all the <laughs> Just, 10 minutes you've been I'm talking. I'm trying, trying here. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I gave up on many of the names in this movie, and so you'll see the delightful nicknames I have for many of these characters, <laughs> which are better descriptors than their actual names. Classic Danielle move. <laughs> uh, this movie, you don't really get a lot of names from people, and the names are ridiculous. So anyway, uh, the boyfriend's parents show up, are condescending to Tori because, you know, rich people got a wasp, I guess. <laughs> But then Tori gets a phone call and she runs out to take it while James defends her. And then her parents ask, like, how well do you really know her? Which is a valid question as we're about to learn because the call Tori takes is from this, I don't know, ex-con it sounds like, who is like, I just got out and I'm coming to get you, Tori, because you put me away all those years ago. Mm, Questions. Yeah. One, why does this supposed ex-con have her cell phone number? Uh... A pot exiting jail. Two, um, what would make the parents ask that question of a teacher? Like, how well do you know her? Yeah. I think the parents are just like that kind of, oh, she's not of the upper crust. How well do you know this poor girl and this this poverty-stricken girl? And how do you know she's not just after you for your money type thing? Okay, I'll give that to them. Yeah, I mean, they're just being your standard condescending rich jerks. Who's like, she's not a member of the country club. How can we possibly know anything about her? Does she come from a good family? That kind of thing. Who knows? We don't know anything about this woman. But to be fair to the parents, James, as we're about to learn, knows nothing about Tori. (laughs) So, you know, I I gotta be on the side of the parents here. (laughs) They're just dating, right? How long have they been dating? Uh, We'll learn 10 months. Okay. Well, it's a long time to not know anything about your girlfriend. (laughs) I know, right? It's bad. (laughs) 
Tori is a terrible person who lies a lot, is what we're going to learn. Well, apparently she's a former bounty hunter who's forced out of retirement. <laughs> that was the description I sent you, Danielle. Good job you remember that. <laughs> well, I don't, like, is that something you hide if you're a bounty hunter, out of curiosity? I, I mean, I don't know, but apparently she did. It's like a legitimate job. I don't know why you wouldn't just say, oh, yeah, I used to be a bounty hunter, and then I decided to become a teacher. <laughs> How old is this woman? I, I don't know in real life. She uh, looks to be, you know, mid-20s. Is that when you retire from bounty hunting? Is that a common retirement age? Like, I don't oh, think she's retiring, Danielle, so for... much as... That's what it says in your summary, Sam. Out of retirement. But retirement can be like, she doesn't want to be a bounty hunter anymore. Right. I figured that. I was just like curious if she chose to quit or if she was just like literally retired. Yes, Danielle. She reached 65 and put <laughs> the pen. No, she chose to leave. Well, it's choice of words in that inscrutable summary that you sent me. <laughs> Why are you so obsessed with parsing that dumb summary? <laughs> Continue on. Anyway, Tori is freaked out by the call. She knows who it is, even though the person does not identify themselves. She then goes to James and tells him that she has to leave, and not just the party, but the city. <laughs> okay. Just once you'd like them to get a mysterious phone call and be like, I'm sorry, who is this? You got the wrong number and then wait, hang up. Like jo John? <laughs> Who? <laughs> I, mean, I just, I just, again, if, if it was me, I'd just like treat it like a scammer. I'd say, oh, you got the wrong number and hang out. What would they do about that? Like, pipe, like, no, I know you're not the wrong number. Like, uh, no, wrong number. They changed. I don't know what you're talking about. I just bought this phone two days ago. Bye. <laughs> Problem solved. She promises to explain everything to James after New Year's, which is a long time to keep your boyfriend in the dark and not tell him anything. And he's like, Tori, are you okay? And then she's like, Look, I just need to take care of this. I got to go with some of my family, but we'll celebrate New Year's in a special way. He's like, he leans in, like whispers some presumable sex act she'll perform for him when they she gets back and that mollifies him. He's like, okay, cool. Goodbye. <laughs> See you in a few weeks. And why is New Year's the deadline? She just says they're going to celebrate New Year's. Like she has to go. I don't know, Danielle. It's just what she says. I'm just curious. If it was plot relevant. Apparently not. So James just lets her go. And so Tori books it to Trenton, New Jersey, where her parents are. She goes to her parents' house and she walks in and then some dude in a tank top sneaks up on her and Tori flips him. It's her dad. It's her and her dad. mom then walks in too and is like, oh, you flipped him again. Clearly this is some mother, daughter, father, daughter bonding stuff. I mean, yeah. Don't all people do that in their spare time? Fight each other? Yes. Her parents are very happy to see her. Uh, though surprised she's there because they figured she'd be spending Christmas with her new boyfriend in New York, which frankly is a better option. <laughs> you would think so. Tori explains she got a call from Manucci, who instead of having 20 years left on his sentence is out and he's after them or something. Did he get released for good? behavior i had no idea danielle this movie explains nothing because <laughs> that seems like a long time to have left out your sentence and then be released early no explanation is given danielle at this point uh, apparently tori took him down when she was a teenager as a teenage bounty hunter which i don't know is that legal <laughs> doesn't seem like it would be but what do i know the rules for bounty hunters seem very sketchy <laughs> yes and these ones are no different and Manucci seems to hold a grudge about this embarrassment anyway the parents are like we gotta take him down again and put him away for good so are the parents also bounty hunters? Oh, yeah. It's a whole family bounty hunter. Oh, family business. okay. I see. And so they go and they, they'll go call Cousin Bones to put a tail on him. Also a bounty hunter? <laughs> I mean, part of the family, Danielle. That's all I can say. <laughs> okay. So literally the entire- Everybody in this movie is a bounty hunter, Danielle. The I just <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that it was literally the entire family is bounty hunters. They call Cousin Bones to put a tail on him. What do you think? <laughs> okay. I'm just, geez, sorry for asking <laughs> questions, Sam. You want to ask if James is a bounty hunter too? Well, I'm going to assume not, but it'd probably be oh, pretty good. funny to that one out. <laughs> I'd like to learn halfway through that he actually is. That would be a better movie, Daniel. I can't <laughs> lie about that. 
Uh, and all this is happening just so fast. This movie has like five minutes so far in it. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, maybe the police should be involved? If you got a phone call from a known criminal threatening you, I mean, I know you're bounty hunters, but you're not law enforcement officers. You don't have any authority, really, no. <laughs> unless they're granted to you by law enforcement. And it would send the person back to jail, I would assume. Yeah, right. Problem so solved. maybe you should <laughs> involve some authorities in this, right? But at no point does anyone ever call the police. Of course not. Because bounty hunters are apparently the same thing as Batman in this movie. <laughs> they don't work with snow stinking police, Sam. Uh, and that's when the mom says, nobody threatens the bells. Nobody. And she grabs one of a number of badges on a chains that are hung up on the wall. And she tosses to Tori, who catches it and holds it facing the camera. We get a close-up type shot of this badge <laughs> that says, bounty hunter on it. And I laughed very hard at this. It was the cheesiest, goofiest thing. It was great. I didn't know you got official badge. Right? Or like, you know they made that themselves, right? <laughs> I was just thinking that. That's way better. Yeah, you know they like went on to some website like, oh, you know, custom badges and order like, gotta put bounty hunter on. Everyone knows we're official. It's like, no, they don't give you badges for that. <laughs> I mean, maybe they do. I don't know anything about bounty hunters, but it seems like something that they would just do for themselves to make themselves feel better. If any of our listeners are bounty hunters, please let us know if you get an official badge from some kind of bounty hunter organization. <laughs> I'm sure there are many that will gladly sell you one for a fee, but I don't know how uh, necessary they are. Legitimate. Yeah, exactly. Well, badges do make people stop, sort of, usually. Sure. But then you get, like, you know, impersonating a law enforcement officer and things like that, which can cause all kinds of headaches if you're going to get this person, th you know, it'll get the case thrown out in court. <laughs> well, not if you say you're a bounty hunter and show your badge. Is that impersonating a officer? I mean, you just flash your badge and say, stop. Then yes, I would say. I would say you have to say, I'm asking you to stop even though you legally don't have to. <laughs> because I'm a bounty hunter, not a legal and not entity. actual law enforcement officer. <laughs> It's very wordy. I'd be surprised if anybody... They might just stop because they're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a quasi-legal entity. Stop. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, no, I, I, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Bounty hunters are basically just like vigilantes in this movie, and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Anyway, also apparently Tori's bounty hunter nickname is Tornado because... <laughs> they have cool nicknames? Yes, Danielle. They have cool bounty hunter nicknames. That's impressive. Does it get gifted on them on their like 18th birthday or something? It's like, it's like a ship, Christian. You have to break your bottle of champagne over their head to show how tough <laughs> they are. <laughs> I'm glad we have an entire, like, world built up for these bounty hunters. So we cut to a parking lot where her dad is in a sleeveless leather jacket in New Jersey in the winter. And this will become a fashion theme for this gentleman who is, I guess, allergic to sleeves. <laughs> I mean, that is a very little known, but a uh, very difficult allergy to maintain in your life. Especially in a Jersey winter. <laughs> And they're at this mall parking lot to look for someone called Big Donna. Who is Big Donna, Danielle? I don't know. The movie doesn't seem to care either. You never see Big Donna? Well, we meet her. We just never know who she is or what relationship she has to Minucci. You know what? Doesn't really matter. <laughs> but we do learn that she drives a Cadillac with the license plate Jersey Girl. I want to follow Big Donna around. She seems like way more fun than <laughs> this family of crazy bounty hunter vigilantes. So they proceed to change out of their bounty hunter tactical gear in the mall bathrooms into something more, quote unquote, inconspicuous. The father puts on a Santa costume that looks grungy. So I don't know how conspicuous that is. <laughs> well, in Jersey. No, just kidding. <laughs> 
Well, this movie does a lot of like, oh, look at Jersey people stuff. Like it's very Jersey Shore aesthetic. Like it's trying to make fun of that thing. Like they all have terrible accents, even though most of the cast are Canadian. And <laughs> That's even better. And they're all like dressing up in like, you know, quote unquote, Jersey trash outfits, you know, leopard print, tube tops, all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's kind of offensive to the great people of Jersey. <laughs> You tell him, Sam. And so while they're changing in the bathroom, the movie does that whole, like, slowly pans up as a door opens and the, you know, sexy girl walks out in her new outfit as, you know, sexy rock music plays, like, Wait, thing. what was that, Sam? I missed it. Nope, we're moving on. <laughs> Sorry, no time. And, and so Tori walks out. <laughs> and Tori walks out in a tube top and leopard print pants. And it would be funny, except this is a bathroom. That's just happening. Like they're doing the whole sexy reveal as she's walking out of a dirty mall bathroom. <laughs> and it's like, not, it doesn't work. And like, it's, it's a dirty mall. Like, you can't do like the, oh, look at the sexy girl changing in a dirty mall bathroom. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Apparently that's not Sam's fetish. No, it's not. I don't know if it's anyone's fetish. If it is, I don't want to hear about it. Anyway, as soon as they step out, they pass the line for Santa photos and some beefcake eyes Tori and goes, wow. Is that his only role in the entire? No, because this beefcake, uh, whose name in the movie is Mikey Muscles, uh-huh. I think. I just call him Beefcake. <laughs> Mikey Muscles is pretty good. <laughs> it's not bad. But Beefcake is better, because that's how I remember him, because that's his entire personality. <laughs> this is Mikey Muscles, uh, who is the tail of Big Donna, and also Tori's ex. Uh-oh. And I believe that both Tori and Beefcake here are professional wrestlers, and no one else is in the movie. I don't know. Like, again, my wrestler knowledge is minimal, but I'm assuming those are, that's the WWE connection right here between these two stars. Anyway, it seems unprofessional to bring in your daughter's ex as your working partner in this life or death situation. Well, so. maybe he's the best, Sam. Uh, they argue banter for a bit, but then Tori shuts it down with talk of taking out the bodyguards and dropping some tracker on Big Donna. And I still, at this point, don't know what Big Donna's relationship to Minucci is. Is she even involved with Minucci? They don't make that clear. <laughs> I like that they bring in a whole character, but they don't explain why this connection exists. No, there's like, we'll put a tail on, on Big Donna. Like, who's Big Donna? I don't know. Figure <laughs> it out, dum-dum. <laughs> This movie is at once the, like, most bare-bones, straightforward, cliche kind of movie, but also so convoluted to be impenetrable in terms of, like, who anyone is or what their motivations or relationships are. Well, clearly they're connected, so that's all you really need to know. I mean, I can make that assumption, but I don't know why I should care. Anyway, they follow Donna for a bit, looking for a window to take out her bodyguard, but her bodyguards are too close until she goes into a salon, and the bodyguards wait outside the salon. So Tori then walks past them into the salon and distracts the front desk person, and then radios her family to move now. Meanwhile, the body one of the bodyguards is ogling lingerie on plastic mannequins while sexy sax music plays, <laughs> and it's baffling how any of this is sexy. Like, this movie has the strangest notion of what is sexy in terms of, like, dirty bathrooms and plastic mannequins. <laughs> so Big Donna apparently needs bodyguards. Apparently needs bodyguards, <laughs> but those bodyguards do not accompany her into the salon and let her get out of their sight behind a closed door in one of the treatment rooms. Well, maybe she's not paying very much money for them. I don't know, Danielle. It's weird. And so that's when Tori's mom shows up at the ogling bodyguard and flashes a lot of cleavage, to be frank. 
and pulls him off. And then one of the other guards is like, gotta go to the bathroom. And so he leaves. So again, not great bodyguards. And so then her dad, in a Santa outfit, ambushes the last bodyguard. Like he jumps out from behind the Christmas tree and presumably puts a chloroform rag around his face. And like he passes out and drags him behind a Christmas tree in the middle of a mall. <laughs> And nobody cares that see Santa just take out a random guy. <laughs> a, a schlubby Santa, to be clear. And meanwhile, the mom drags the other guard into an elevator. And it's one of those glass elevators like you can see through as you're going up and down. And somehow she knocks him out, even though it's glass and we can see into it. I don't know how she did it because it's not clear. So they don't tell you how she did it and nobody sees it. And like You're supposed to be able to see it. Like the elevator is moving and the guy's standing there. And the next moment he's passed out. Like, I don't know. Like, it seems like she might have hit him or something. But again, it's not a well shot scene. Well, maybe it doesn't really matter. It doesn't because she gets out of the elevator. The elevator door is closed. And then she takes out her lip stick and writes out of order on the elevator doors. <laughs> yeah, that's how that works. Which is incredibly stupid because not only would people just ignore the lipstick graffiti on the <laughs> elevator door, the elevators would still go up and down. Like if someone was on a different floor and pushed the call button, the elevator would go to that floor and open its doors. Like she <laughs> didn't go to every floor inside. and put out of, <laughs> out of order on all of them. <laughs> so she's accomplished nothing. <laughs> Uh, these people are, uh, frankly, morons, Danielle. Every one of them. Oh, I think they're hoping that you're a moron, actually. Oh, the, the, the viewer? Yeah. I mean, possibly. I mean, I want to be fair this movie. It is very irreverent. It's very goofy. It's it, definitely a comedy, but, like, I still find the characters to be terrible people, so I'm not letting it off the hook. <laughs> Meanwhile, the third bodyguard is ambushed by Beefcake, who just starts choking him on the upper level of the mall, like ab above the railing between like where you can look down and see Santa's village. Is this the one that went to the bathroom? Yeah. Okay. Just keeping track. Good. I'm glad you are, Danielle. <laughs> one of us has to be. <laughs> So he just starts choking out uh, this bodyguard in plain sight in this mall. Well, we've already established that a Santa can apparently, like... This is not the Santa one. This is Beefcake in I tactical know. gear. I'm just saying that apparently Santa can take down somebody and nobody blinks an eye. So nobody cares about this other guy. Well, I'm saying it's at least the Santa one was, like, somewhat subtle. Like, he popped out and then popped back in behind a tree. So, like, maybe someone could have missed it. Everyone is seeing this happen. People stop and say, hey, is that guy okay to him? He's like, oh, yeah, he's just too much to drink or something. Like, they, they kind of pulled that thing off. They're like, nobody would buy that. <laughs> and it gets worse because they end up scuffling because, surprise, attacking a bodyguard from behind, not the most effective thing, apparently, for Beefcake to be doing. Who knew? And then he throws the bodyguard over the railing. He crash lands in Santa's village. And nobody still cares. And dies because he just got thrown over a ball railing. I have no idea. Yeah, he <laughs> might be dead. It's very possible. That's a really far way to drop. <laughs> It's like at least 15 feet or 20 feet. Like if he landed on his back or neck, he'd be dead. Oh, that's disturbing. <laughs> yeah, no. These people, not good people. Uh, not good bounty hunters. Just not good tactical thinkers. Were there children down below in Santa's village? Yes. Oh, no. The horror. I mean, like, they, they saw him like falling up behind like the tree in Santa's village. So apparently that's enough that nobody saw this body fall and no one figured it out. Uh, I'm calling shenanigans. Absolutely. It's it bad. It's real bad, Danielle. <laughs> But now I'll take a moment to appreciate how dumb this entire sequence was, Danielle, because there was no need to take out the bodyguards in the first place, since Donna was already alone in the salon, and all she wanted to do was plant a tracker on her. She didn't want to, like, attack Donna. So Tori could have just snuck in and put the tracker on her anyway, without alerting the bodyguards, and that would have made Donna less suspicious when she comes out and realizes her bodyguards are all gone. Yes, I do not disagree on that at all. So these are, like, the worst clandestine bounty hunters I've ever heard of in my life. And have they managed to put the tracker on Downer yet? No. Nope. <laughs> 
In fact, they don't manage to put her on her in the salon because just as Tori is approaching Don, a random woman walks into the salon and is like, Tori, wild woman, Belle, is that you? And that apparently blows her cover, and Donna starts walking out of the salon, just kind of casually. She notices her bodyguards are gone. She's like, all right, and starts to walk kind of quickly away up the escalator. And Tori's like, hey, Donna's running. We're made. And like, okay, I guess. But why is Donna running? Because she knows something's up. She hasn't done anything wrong. She's just a patron in a mall who had all her employees, her her bodyguards, attacked by three random people with no authority. Like, she's not under arrest. She could call the cops and say, hey, these people are assaulting me, and they would take away and arrest the entire Bell family. But she doesn't know that any of that went down with. And she knows her bodyguards are missing, right? But she doesn't know what happened to them? She doesn't know what happened to them. She does know that Tori Bell is there. She knows who Tori Bell is. Why would Tori have used her real name with her bounty hunting career. I don't know, Danielle. The <laughs> Bell family is very proud of being bounty hunters. Like a badge of honor for them or something. <laughs> Hey, my point is Donna is under no threat from the bells in any way because like what are you gonna do put the put the tracker on her and she knows they're doing it Ooh. <laughs> but anyway they chase after Donna and corner her at the top of an escalator again in the middle of a busy mall and no one seems to mind what's happening here but Donna is defiant going I know my rights and then Tori grabs her by the shoulders and goes you're right we just got ahead of ourselves and she uses that opportunity while she's grabbing you know her shoulders and, like patting her on the shoulders to slip the giant tracker into her her bag, her purse, and it's like the size of a brick, this GPS tracker. What year was this? <laughs> 2013, Danielle. <laughs> I feel like the trackers could have been smaller in 2013. They could have been way smaller. <laughs> they have cell phones in this movie. <laughs> Smartphones. <laughs> that seems kind of crazy. Like, you wouldn't notice that in your bag. <laughs> Donna would 100% have felt this, like, 50-pound tracker <laughs> falling into her purse. <laughs> like, it's impossible. That's wild. It's the dumbest thing. And the fact that Donna buys that they just wanted to corner her to say, oh, our mistake, and then leave. Like she, but she's like, nope, that's more like it, and then leave. So I guess mission accomplished. Good job, Bells, on being stellar bounty hunters. And you're hoping that she's going to use that purse every day? I guess they just want to track her in the moment. <laughs> just right now. They couldn't just follow her. <laughs> When they put a tail on her to follow her to the mall, couldn't they just tail her that same way and be less conspicuous? Nope. Giant tracker. So at that very moment, they get a text from Cousin Bones that the tracker is working. And as they're leaving, the blonde shows up again to chat with Tori. And this is where we learn that Beefcake's name is Mikey Muscles, because again, we didn't learn his name up until this point, which is why I called him Beefcake. So his, like, legal name is Mikey Muscles? No, his name is Mike, I guess, but they just call him Mikey Muscles. Everyone calls him Mikey Muscles. Because he has muscles? I guess, Danielle. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What does he look like? Does he have muscles? He looks like a professional wrestler, Danielle. <laughs> okay, then yes. The answer to that question is yes, Sam. But not like The Rock, like a few steps down. <laughs> the Rock's cousin. Mm, more, more like The Rock's like little whippy brother. <laughs> uh, but that, I, I did write here that my name, Beefcake, was pretty darn close to Mikey Muscle, so I'm proud of myself. You are. Good job. The, the blonde's name is Liz the Legs. I think is what they call her, Elizabeth. But I just call her Blonde Nurse because that's pretty much all the personality she gets. I said Liz the Legs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Again, they're trying very hard to be like wise guys or like, you know, Italian mobster stuff in Jersey. And it doesn't work because all these people are like, no, they don't pull it off. This is like <laughs> the Sopranos if they're all played by Canadians. It doesn't work. <laughs> We like our Canadian jerseys. We love Canadian. No offense, but they're not pulling off Jersey wise guy things in this movie, at least. <laughs> so the blonde is all like, it's so sad you got that teaching job and moved to Manhattan. You never visit, et cetera, et cetera. Like a whole like, you left town. We all miss you. Yada, yada, yada. 
But they're also like kind of skeptical that she's not a bounty hunter anymore, even though she's working as a teacher in a school. Like, are you sure you left the bounty hunting gig? She's like, yes, I'm employed. I have a job. I'm a teacher. (laughs) Well, you know, and her side, her side hustle is still bounty hunting. Apparently. With all that spare time that teachers have. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, teachers need side hustles these days. So, I mean, I guess I can't really fault her for that. Anyway, as the blonde walks away, beefcake is all, there are still a lot of people out here that care about you. So, like, I guess it's setting up that whole standard Hallmark movie, like, return to your small town from the big city type situation. Mm-hmm. Get together with your ex-boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, and you're going from New York to Jersey, which is not, like, a <laughs> massive, like, it's not like you're going from New York to the Midwest or some small podunk town in the middle of nowhere like this Jersey. Yeah, usually it's, like, Connecticut or something. <laughs> Right, again, it's very dumb. <laughs> All right, so when we cut to some random warehouse, Donna walks in. Her own bodyguards is completely forgotten at this point because she kind of doesn't care about them. <laughs> and I hope they're alive. <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe maybe they aren't anymore. Who knows? <laughs> One of them definitely is not. <laughs> and if you misdose someone with chloroform, you definitely can kill them. So, you know. So two of them may not be, but one of them definitely is not. Yes, exactly. The other one's just in an elevator having a good time. <laughs> it's riding up and down. <laughs> People, I mean, I wouldn't put it past people just walk in, see a guy pass out of there and go like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> Take it down. Anyway, Donna walks in and she hands the tracker from the bag to some guy in his suit saying, it worked like a charm. Gasp, a double bluff. And apparently it was Donna's plan to lure the Bells to the mall so they could put a tracker on her. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is one of those like villain plans that is seems like, oh, genius. They had all these masters from the start. But when you think about it, it's incredibly dumb because they had to have like psychic knowledge of exactly way everyone would react in every moment to make this plan work. Well, and it's very dumb. Good thing she did, apparently. <laughs> apparently she did. And this actually kind of restores my faith in humanity a bit because I'm like, Good. She didn't figure that the bells were just being nice, and she did feel the giant tracker being put in her bag, because, <laughs> duh, of course she would. But then again, it's like, oh, wait, that means the bells actually believe they managed to put the tracker on down without her noticing. <laughs> and to think that, that they did that is incredibly stupid. <laughs> so the bells are by far the dumbest people in this movie. <laughs> As the main characters, that's always rough. Maybe Donna's the main character. Donna is by far one of the nicest characters in this movie, actually. <laughs> See? She's kind of awesome. I kind of love Big Donna. <laughs> the story's really about her. Should be, damn it. So we cut to outside the warehouse. The Bells are in bulletproof vests, and the dad character is in only a bulletproof vest because, again, that sleeve allergy is coming back to haunt him. I mean, I told you, it's a really difficult allergy to exist with, Sam. And apparently, I mean, to be fair, they don't make bulletproof sleeves, so I guess he's as protected as he's going to be. <laughs> You didn't have a choice. <laughs> Tori and Beefcake conspicuously run across the parking lot to the building, and Beefcake sets up this electronic lockpick, but Tori's all like, really? And shoves him out of the side and takes a bobby pin from her hair, because, sure, that's the tool that professionals use to pick locks. I mean, yeah, doesn't everybody carry around a bobby pin in their hair for lock picking, Sam? If they're idiots, yes, because <laughs> lock, if you're a professional bounty hunter, you'd want A, a real lock picking kit, and B, if you have an electronic lockpick, maybe just use that. Yeah, you think it'd be a little bit faster, but what do I do? And more reliable. But again, I'm the idiot because it works like a charm. <laughs> of course it does. We cut to the mob boss guy in Minucci eating a lobster on a bed of spaghetti at a table decked out like a cheesy Italian restaurant. We're talking like the red and white checkered tablecloth, the cask of wine and like the reed wrapping. And he's wearing a, a, a lobster bib in the middle of a warehouse. Like they clearly had a budget for one location <laughs> in this film and they made it this warehouse. I kind of want lobster on spaghetti though. That sounds good. <laughs> but it's like, 
a whole lobster. It's not like lobster meat with pasta. He's cracking a lobster <laughs> over, like, you're going to get shell in your spaghetti, dude. <laughs> you tell him. It's just like awful. So uh, his bodyguard's like, they're here. And he tells his henchman, the girl is mine, which really is dumb. Like, who cares? Just <laughs> kill her if you want to kill her. Like, don't make a whole thing about it. Don't make it personal. Everything's personal in movies, Sam. Of course. So as Tori and the others sneak around, he continues to chow down until they find him. He's like, hey, welcome. You want some lobster? <laughs> kind of thing. Because he's unsurprised by their appearance. And then his muscle pull gun on that. Uh, and then his muscles. What's the, what's the plural of like? I guess it's just a muscle. It's just so muscle. Then his muscle, they pull. Yeah. <laughs> Like, his bodyguards. His bodyguards pull guns on them. I want to take a moment to appreciate the Bell's stupidity here again, because they break into this man's property and pull guns on him, even though, as far as I'm aware thus far in this movie, he has done nothing wrong except call and threaten Tori, which is not okay. Again, that's something you should report as harassment, but that does not get you carte blanche to go into someone's property and assault them. I'm wondering what the long-term game plan is. Like, they handcuff him and take him to the police station for what? Harassment? That's my point. Like, <laughs> what what has he done at this point? I mean, again, if he's threatening you, you can get a restraining order or, you know, whatever against him. You'll get a civil suit, maybe. I don't know. But he, as far as the movie has made us aware, his only crime is being an Italian stereotype. <laughs> By the end of this movie, does he deserve to go to jail? Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, my point is, uh, the bounty hunters of this movie either don't know anything about the law or don't have any respect for the law, which is because bounty hunters is a bad name. <laughs> Again, I really wish at this point Minucci had called the cops to have all the bounty hunters arrested for trespassing. That would have been funny. It would have been a great way to end this movie. <laughs> but no. Instead, who shows up? It's James, the boyfriend. Wait, why? He just pops. <laughs> Whoa, we'll get to this. He just walks in this warehouse with a giant teddy bear because he was following his creepy GPS couple. Oh, guy. yeah, I forgot he had that. But also, why would you do that? And why would you go to a warehouse and then be like, yeah. I think I should walk into this warehouse? Yes. <laughs> Apparently, James thought it was a good idea to like, oh, she's in this creepy warehouse. Let me just walk in unannounced through this warehouse with a giant teddy bear because the app told me to. Man, he's a and winner. Also, I was like, this is the best place to surprise your girlfriend. Like, maybe call her. You could have called her. <laughs> I get surprising her or whatever, though. That's kind of weird. But I get surprising her. I do not understand why you would walk into a warehouse. I would definitely wait till they walked out. Or like, we're maybe at her house or something. You know, and she's like, oh, she's spending the night at this place. That's probably where she's staying. I can go surprise her there. Yeah, it's wild. No. It is contrived and stupid. So that's when the mob boss takes a shot at James, but he only manages to kill the stuffed bear, Aww. and a shootout ensues. And everyone in this movie has really bad aim, like, because this is a Disney made for TV say, movie yeah. ABC family. <laughs> Nobody gets shot in this movie. Guns are the least effective weapons ever. It's comical how bad all the shooting is in this movie for professional bounty hunters. <laughs> well, they're not good at the rest of their job either, apparently. <laughs> no. <laughs> so as they're shooting, the mob boss just kind of casually turns and walks away, leaving his muscle to handle the, the bells. And then Tori drags a fainted, unconscious James to safety. So, oh, I guess your plan to just show up at a warehouse with no plan didn't work out. Shocking. So they lug the unconscious James back to Tori's parents' house, and the blonde friend is there because she's a nurse, and is like, oh, gotta check on James as a favor for you. Are James and her gonna end up together? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> 
the blonde's main role here is exposition dump. She's here to get Tori to talk about her motivations so that we don't have to infer them from her actions or other mm-hmm. <laughs> other characterizations because there is no other characterizations in this movie and it's not well written. Uh-huh. She's like, why'd you go? Why do you go to Manhattan? Tori's like, I went to Manhattan because I can be myself there. I'm not just a bounty hunter and blah, blah, blah. I do not care. I have no connection or interest in these characters. <laughs> So I'm going to skip that because who cares? (laughs) Good review, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Look, the point is she wanted to be something different. So she went to Manhattan and now she's back and getting pulled into her own life. I mean, we understand the plot here. It's not complicated. We don't need an exposition about this. We do. Okay, maybe you do. No, we don't need need it. We do understand the plot. (laughs) I was agreeing. Oh, okay. Okay, great. Got it. (laughs) You're right. That was very confusing. English is hard. <laughs> it is very hard. So inside, Sleeveless Dad is cleaning his guns as Tori tries desperately to hide all the bounty hunter stuff since Tori didn't tell James about her past. Well, I mean, he just got shot at. What's his, what, What's the plan? <laughs> I think they're compounding on the fact that he was like passed out immediately and didn't really figure out what happened. But no, you're like, no. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Basically, he comes to and they're basically like, oh, you, you, you're, you passed out. Are you okay? And he's like, oh, yeah, what happened? Like, don't worry about it. He just walked into a warehouse full of people eating spaghetti lobster. <laughs> Look, lobster and spaghetti guns. is great. A whole boiled lobster on top of plain spaghetti is bad. I'm not changing my mind on that. Is there another bowl for the shells out of curiosity? No. No, that's weird. It's very weird. It's so weird. I mean, maybe there were, I didn't see one. Again, who knows? Uh, anyway, so Tori didn't tell him that she's a bounty hunter, so he's cleaning up the house, trying to hide all the bounty hunter stuff. And they're all like, why are you doing this? Tori's like, I didn't tell him about you yet. And they're like, oh, are you ashamed of us? Because her brother's like, she's not hiding herself. She's hiding us. And I guess they have this brother who I didn't know about until this moment. <laughs> it's like, where'd the brother come from? <laughs> But Tori convinces them to, like, ease Jame into this. And they're like, okay, Tori, for you, anything. We're on board. And they get on board, like, I'm so I'm very quick. confused as to why it matters that her family are bounty hunters. So I think what it's trying to set up is that James is this upper crust, old money kind of person. And Tori comes from this rough and ready, you know, Jersey bounty hunter group. And she doesn't want James to be like put out or disgusted by, oh, you come from that? That's your past? Like, oh, that's not couth. That's not good for my upper crust sensibilities. And so she's panicking that like this whole like different worlds thing is going to happen, which is very dumb because James has shown no sign of being a snooty upper crust jerk. Right. And he's dating a teacher, which yes, like that's a completely different median wage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she is a private school teacher, but still, I mean, I'm with you. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I th- again, it, it's plot wise. It's just there to make conflict. Uh, character wise, it makes no dang sense. Like Tori is a terrible person who's just trying to lie to her boyfriend because of reasons that are unclear. <laughs> Plot reasons. Okay, we'll continue on. But her family goes from, you don't have to hide yourself to, okay, we'll help you hide yourself immediately. They're so on board and chipper about pretending to be upper crusty people immediately. Do they all have fake jobs? Uh, No, they don't even mention the job. They do like put on fake accents and everything. <laughs> like, and, like, what kind of fake accents? You know, like, you're, oh, so delighted to meet you, James. <laughs> okay. I'm your blah, blah, blah. 
You know, they're like acting a little like highfalutin. And their jobs never come up in this conversation. Not yet. At least <laughs> if they did, they like brush it aside very quickly. It's <laughs> interesting. So it's very much a, a birdcage situation where Tori is trying to coach them to be like upper crusty and pretend to be something they're not. Does their, is their house like nice? Does it? No. I mean, it's not it's not a bad house. It's a perfectly fine house, but it's not like a mansion or anything. So, I mean, like, you're already... You just didn't plan well. <laughs> well, she didn't expect her boyfriend to show up at this warehouse at the teddy bear to be fair. I'm just, I know, but then you're already... Like, you live in a normal middle-class house or whatever, and then you're trying to, like, yeah. convince your boyfriend that we're really... We swear, we're upper middle class. <laughs> or like, right, exactly. No, it's all very stupid, Danielle. I agree. <laughs> Again, the people in this movie are morons. <laughs> Clearly. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm getting caught up in the details. So James wake up and is immediately assaulted by the sight of Tori's family and spray cheese. He's like, oh, would you like some crudite or whatever? Some some cheese and crackers and spray you, cheese? No, you did say spray cheese. I just wanted to make sure. What do you think I said? Spray, spray I cheese? I don't know. I was just like, because you said he was assaulted by spray cheese. And I was like, wait, what? The sight of spray cheese is what I meant. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. That's what I said. <laughs> you didn't hear that part. <laughs> Uh, he was assaulted by the sight of Tori's family and spray cheese. I mean, that was unclear. Again, English is hard. <laughs> but Tori makes introductions, and apparently that's not her brother, actually. That's Cousin Bones. Oh, so, okay. you know, joke's on me for not realizing that's Cousin Bones. <laughs> You're supposed to know these things, Sam. Uh, so James nearly sits on a taser, and then a police scanner goes off, and they all play it off as like a video game or something. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But James is very game about like, okay, he just goes along with it. That's because he's an okay guy, apparently. James is by far the best person in this movie. He is the nicest, the kindest, and the most reasonable person in this movie. Does she even end up with him in the end? <laughs> of course not, Danielle. <laughs> this kind of movie. <laughs> That's why this movie's awful. Uh, the characters are awful. Because uh, I'll get to I'll, I'll get to it later. I have a whole diatribe later. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, good. I didn't want to miss that. So anyway, James then announces to Daddy No Sleeves that he's introducing himself as someone who loves Tori and wants to ask for his permission to propose to Tori, which, you know, is a problematic thing about gender dynamics. I'm not going to get into it because there's no time for that. Because then Beefcake walks in right as Tori is hugging James and accepting and their eyes meet. Uh -oh. Could be trouble, Danielle. <laughs> You mean she might end up with her ex-boyfriend in this Hallmarkian movie? Yeah, I know, Danielle. Shocker. <laughs> she goes back to her small town roots. <laughs> it's so dumb, Danielle. We all know where this movie is going. So this is what I'm getting at, Danielle. This movie, we all know what this movie's going to be. We can predict the ending and the plot from a mile away, but none of the characters are set up in such a way, none of the circumstances are set up in such a way that makes it make any sense. Like, in any reasonable movie, she would not go back to Beefcake because James is such a great dude. <laughs> So they cut to them celebrating with champagne. Beefcake is sad. And everyone is trying to talk to her into going out to their favorite dive bar. But she's worried about James. But James is being very accepting. He's like, a dive bar? Great. I'm totally game. So really, it's just Tori being a jerk and like making assumptions about how James is prejudiced or something. It does sound like she has a lot of assumptions about him. Has Beefcake tried to make a move at all in the last like year plus since they broke up? I don't know when they broke up. Could have been one, two, three years. I don't know. Uh, no. No contact. So, I don't know. He doesn't get to be sad. <laughs> I mean, he can be sad if he wants to be. You're allowed your feelings. But if he hasn't even tried to, like, get together with her. Oh, Danielle, we have so much of that to get into in this movie. <laughs> Sorry. This movie is like an hour and 15 minutes. It's not a long movie. But there is so much relationship drama that's just <laughs> dumped out there in this Bounty Hunter action movie that has it's just like i it's such i don't know how it crams it all in there it just like lays it out there <laughs> point blank it's not like subtly developed they just talk about it, it just, it's literally just talking and telling you what the drama is it's so bad <laughs> i'm sorry i interrupted you can you can go on no we'll get to it daniel it's, it's a very good observation it's very uh prescient for what's going to happen <laughs> in this movie 
So while changing, Tori and her mom have a heart-to-heart about how the mom understands if she wants to leave with James and not finish the bounty job and go back to Manhattan because they understand that Tori is, like, moving on and all that kind of stuff. But she's the one that came there to begin with. Yeah, but Tori's like, no, I need to put away Minucci. And her mom was like, like it or not, you're a belle. Uh-huh. End of conversation. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that sums up a lot, Sam. Pretty much. Again, I told you, they lay things out in explicit. This is very much tell, don't show. So we cut to the bar, which is really more of a nightclub situation with dancing and music. Mm-hmm. And they run into the blonde nurse there who spills the beans that Beefcake is an ex. Uh-oh, James didn't know about that. But why would he? Exactly. <laughs> Tori hasn't told her anything. So then James starts asking questions about who her family is and what they do, but Tori deflects and the blonde nurse drags her onto the dance floor and uh, Beefcake and James sit by the bar. Awkward. And then, you know, they're talking, he's talking with Beefcake, he's just chatting. He seems actually like totally okay with him being an ex. I mean, like in real life, you're mostly okay with that. <laughs> yeah. He's totally, like, he's like totally cool with it. He's chatting. Like, oh yeah, we've been together about 10 months. We're getting married. Beefcake orders a shot uh, and a beer chaser. And James like, sure, I'll have what he's having. Like he's trying to like, you know, in and be one of the guys. So he's like really trying here. James is doing his best. We can tell who Sam's voting for in this love triangle. James is by, if you watch the movie today, you understand that James is by far like, I would date James. Usually the second lead is the best choice, Sam. That's just a given. <laughs> no, no. I think often in these movies, I make a mention of this, is that like they'll make the the rich, you know, city boyfriend be like a jerk. Oh, or absolutely. Have, have, yeah, lack the of rich compassion. city guy is always a jerk. Yeah, like to have make him jerk or make him lack compassion or make him controlling. Like he doesn't understand or doesn't like her family or something like that. He's clearly prejudiced in some way. But James is none of those things. He is just a good dude. Bummer. So that's why I mean, like it doesn't work. The formula doesn't work because they're lacking the jerk that she's dating and that she has to realize that she had it better with her small town boyfriend who really cared about who she really was and not just that she was a pretty woman or whatever. Well, it depends on how it ends because, I mean, if she just makes a choice between the two guys and decides to go with her old boyfriend, then so be it. That's, that's a choice. But if it's, if they're trying to play it up that, like, somehow the current boyfriend, James, is, like, doesn't understand her or whatever, that doesn't seem true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, boy. Again, we'll get to all this. Don't worry. <laughs> I have pre-sentiments. <laughs> you have a lot of pre-sentiments. I'm, I'm not saying she's not allowed to make her choice, but I am saying her choice is stupid if she makes it that way. I all don't right? necessarily disagree. <laughs> Anyway, as they're about to get their drinks, blonde nurse drags Beefcake away to the dance floor and then scampers off when she sees someone else because apparently she's dug from up and like has no <laughs> attention span, just chases off into the next squirrel she sees. Squirrel. <laughs> and so she leaves Beefcake and Tori alone on the dance floor. What a good wing woman. Right, exactly. And so that's when they start to have a conversation about the breakup and how Tori took up and left, didn't really say goodbye. And she's like, it's not you, it's me. And he's like, oh, that's what that sounds like. The not, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> and so Beefcake doesn't take it well and leaves and then james comes out to dance and again really james is the only good person in this movie because <laughs> he's just being a friendly dude <laughs> trying his best and he didn't interrupt their conversation he didn't and he wasn't like jealous that she was talking to her ex on the dance floor or anything like that honestly uh i i, I predict at this point that tori and beefcake would end up together and they have by far the two worst people which you know maybe makes sense then <laughs> Anyway, while they're chatting in the bar, a blonde nurse exhibition lady reveals to Tori that Beefcake hasn't had a girlfriend since she left because he's so hung up on her. So hung up that he hasn't visited her once. Or called her anything. (laughs) And also, like, isn't there a murderous mobster out to get them? This is not the time and the place, man. Or they probably should even be at a bar, really. It's a good way to get killed. Yeah, right? Tori takes this news hard for some reason and then, like, runs after Beefcake, who is leaving the bar. Just leave James? James is somewhere. I don't know. doesn't matter. (laughs) 
She tells Beefcake she's sorry about what happened. She did care. And then Beefcake's like, I still love you. I'll always love you. They almost kiss. And seriously, these people are all terrible human beings. I hate them. Oh, yeah. They're terrible. I'm on board the terrible train. She's just got engaged. This is like her, her engagement party, and she's almost kissing her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Hard pass. Hard pass on these people. <laughs> but then Tori pulls away, and Beefcake leaves. End scene. Cut to an unspecified time later. I think it's the next morning. Tori is looking through a photo album with Cousin Bones, reminiscing about all the violent callers they've made. And Tori worries if she can be normal with James. Like, do you think I can have a normal life and a normal family? And Bones is like, you can have whatever you want, Tori. You're amazing. Where's James? Uh, Still asleep, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Everyone in this movie is just super supportive of Tori. Everyone's like, you're the best, Tori. You're amazing. Anything you want. Like, everyone's like her personal cheerleading squad. It's kind of like endearing if they weren't enabling her terrible behavior. <laughs> Sure, it's only endearing if they're enabling her good behavior. Exactly. Like, actually encourage her to do good things. Her parents come in and tell Tori they have to stake out a tree lot because they got a tip that the mob boss is going to show up at this tree lot for some reason. To get a Christmas tree? <laughs> Unclear. <laughs> I mean, even mobsters need Christmas trees if they're celebrating. Yeah, but why would you go yourself? <laughs> you know, maybe it's part of their family tradition, Sam. You don't know his life. I, I, I honestly don't because the movie tells you nothing about him. <laughs> So Tori and the others, they just bounce, leaving Bones, Cousin Bones, behind. So then James comes in, and Cousin Bones is like, oh, the others all just went out to get a Christmas tree. But you don't worry, Beefcake is with them. And James is like, oh, that's weird. They left us behind and they took Beefcake? I feel bad about that. And I'm like, poor James, man. <laughs> feel bad for him. So James is a little put out by this, understandably. And he's like, hey, Bones, aren't you tired of being like a desk guy? Let's go out and, you know, screw the rules and get a tree with the, with the family. I'm like, you don't really need to give a big international speech to say you want to go get a Christmas tree with the family. Like, that's a perfectly normal thing to do. <laughs> but they convince Bones, they go out, and then suddenly it's night because a whole day was passed, apparently, them trying to find this Christmas tree <laughs> lot. It was really hard to find. <laughs> and James and Bones show up to help pick out a Christmas tree. Daddy Gunshow tells them that they need to all split up, and they send Bones and James way to the back to avoid danger. So Tori and Beefcake start combing the lot looking for the mob boss. And while Tori is looking away, mob boss pulls a gun on her. So, you know, good situational awareness there, Tori. <laughs> how is her whole family a family of bounty hunters? Because they're terrible. I don't know how they survived this long or made any money. Yet. Maybe that's why they're all middle class, because they suck at it. <laughs> the mobster monologues a little bit, and then before he pulls the trigger, Tori and Beefcake attack him, showing off their wrestling moves. Shots go off, and the rest of the family joins in. But where are the police in all of this? Like, this is the second shootout they've had in this movie, and the police are entirely absent. Yeah, it's weird that nobody outside of them has called the police. That's what I mean. Like, they're at a mall last time, and there wasn't a shootout in the mall, but there was some, like, a guy was thrown over a railing at a mall, and an unconscious man found an elevator, and nobody called the police. <laughs> they're shooting at a tree lot. A public, there are other people there, and apparently they're like, nah, let's just shoot out in Jersey. That's normal. It feels like a conspiracy. It's crazy. Anyway, amid this hail of ineffective gunfire, a black van pulls up and the mob boss gets in. Uh, Jane pops up going, hey, what's all this? And Tori's like, James, get down. I'm a bounty hunter. And James all like, yeah, I don't understand. And as he's all confused, a bodyguard hops out of the van, grabs James and hauls him inside the van. Uh-oh. Uh <laughs> Bye-bye, James. Jeans. So now we have kidnapping, depending on the mob guy. And this seems like exactly the kind of thing a mob boss's parole officer would want to know about. Or like the police. Like if you know who it is and you know he kidnapped James and James is with him now, like tell the police like, oh, 
That's where they are. Go get the mob boss. Get the FBI or the SWAT team involved. Like, I'm not saying the police solve every problem and that there are problems with policing and a lot of problems with policing. And you shouldn't you know, go to them for everything. But this seems like the kind of situation that they are specifically best for. Yeah, this is literally the reason you would call the police. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. So again, the family decides to vigilante this and it makes everything worse. <laughs> we wouldn't want to solve the plot too early. Of course. Then we'd have a hour movie instead of an hour and 13 minute movie. <laughs> Anyway, Tori and Beefcake chase after the van in their car, and Beefcake disparages James because who sticks their head out when they hear gunfire? Which is kind of fair, but also, like, cut James a break, man. It's true. He's not used to this kind of world. (laughs) Exactly. That's what what Tori says to defend him. Though I agree that he should not have stuck his head out with... uh... No, again, I'm not saying he made the right decision, but I'm not, like, going to blame him for not being prepared, especially when nobody has told him anything that's going on. No one said, hey, we're bounty hunters, this is dangerous. They said, hey, we're at a Christmas tree a lot. Maybe if they had told him something, he would have been prepared. Yeah. But then Beefcake, you know, crashes the car and the van gets away. So bye-bye, James. But then Beefcake turns to Tori and is like, I promise you, I will get your fiancé back. So... No, he seems to care about her being happy with someone else. Aww. Only not really. <laughs> That's so sweet. Because he still constantly flirts and hits on her all the time, which is a bad friend thing. It is. Very uncomfortable. So we cut back to the bell house. A blonde nurse shows up and doesn't help the mood with her obliviousness. And I don't know why she shows up. She just brought donuts and then... <laughs> I mean, Sam, she showed up to bring donuts. <laughs> Yeah, but she contributes nothing to the scene. <laughs> you don't have to bring anything to the scene if you brought donuts. <laughs> that was what you brought to the scene. Fair enough. So Daddy Pythons gives Tori a little pep talk. <laughs> Did you just like write down an entire list of names? Oh yeah, I, I call him something different for his sleeveless attire every time. In my notes. <laughs> you just have like an on your like three page list of names for this guy. <laughs> no, no, you'll see, Danielle. It's just like a uh, Easter egg hunt. See if you can catch them all. <laughs> Gosh. All right. Sorry. So Daddy Python gives Tori a little pep talk about how she's the smartest, she's the best, and she comes up with a plan. She remembers all the stuff Donna was buying at the mall and concludes that Donna is getting married. What? She's shopping for a wedding, apparently. She's buying like a white dress and, and rhinestone shoes, so it's going to be a Jersey wedding. So it didn't occur to her while she was shopping that maybe that's what she was shopping for? I guess she just didn't think about it. She was too busy focused on how to get past the bodyguard she already got past when she walked into the salon. <laughs> how to put the giant brick into her bag. <laughs> That's a legitimate question, because that would be a challenge. (laughs) What if her purse was small? Which would she have done? I don't know, like taped it to her back with some duct tape? (laughs) Donna, hold still, grip. Down her pants. (laughs) (laughs) She's wearing leggings, and that would never have worked. I just want to know what the solution was going to be if she had a small purse that day. Yeah, absolutely. So she concludes that Donna's getting married, and because they saw a gazebo, in this case, which is an arch at the warehouse, that's where the wedding's happening. As one does. Like I said, they paid for like two locations in this movie and that warehouse was the one they paid the most for. They're going to get their money's worth. I mean, it could be a cool place for a wedding. It's not. Let me tell you this. When we see the wedding, it's not. (laughs) Sad. Poor Donna. She deserves better. And she also concludes that the wedding's happening tomorrow since the spray tan only lasts three days and Donna got her spray tan yesterday. It could be happening today. Sure, but they don't think about that. (laughs) What if they missed the wedding entirely? It could have happened yesterday. <laughs> Again, they are not that smart, Danielle. They don't think about these things. That seems uh, And then ludicrous. Tori gets a text of a kidnapped James from, you know, like a photo of James being all tied up from Minucci. And he's like, nope, there's our wedding invitation. <laughs> and again, now you have physical evidence. Go to the police. You know where they are with your brilliant deductive work. Like, this could be over, <laughs> you know? 
Uh, anyway, we go to the warehouse, which is a truly terrible wedding venue because it's like half-assedly decorated with some, you know, streamers, but it's still just a concrete floor and stacks of warehouse stuff. That's so sad. I feel bad for Donna. Donna does not deserve this. No, she deserves a lot better. Uh, let me just ask you a question, Daniel. Who do you think Donna is? Do I do? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, how do you think she, like, fits into the Minucci orbit? I don't know. She, who's she marrying? That's a great question, Daniel. <laughs> Who do you think she's marrying? I assumed it was Minucci, but I was not sure on that at all. I was like... I said it was Minucci too, Danielle. So we'll get to that. <laughs> I just want to make sure that we're on the same page here. It's like, I'm not just an idiot. <laughs> I mean, I don't know because I have not... You, you, you at least have not told me anything about what no, she's doing. We're about to figure this out, Danielle. <laughs> Perfect. So a bunch of black SUVs and limos pull up for the wedding. Big Donna's getting ready and Minucci comes in. Apparently, he is not the groom, as I'd assumed. Since Donna says she's got to have one family member there, at least, that's her. Apparently, he's her big brother. Aww. So that's what we learned about this. And again, this movie is very simple and very dumb, and yet I still have no idea what's going on. It's like, somehow I could not figure out who Donna was. Like, every time someone says something, I'm like, oh, is that what's happening? <laughs> I still don't know who Donna is, even with all the clues you just gave me. Uh, do you, I'll give you another thing here, Danielle. Her fiancé, her the groom, is not in this movie. <laughs> no, it's not James. <laughs> it's uh, nobody. It is nobody <laughs> you never find out who she's getting married to no he doesn't even like they don't even have like an extra play in him he just does not appear in this movie <laughs> so she never gets married or does she get married oh we'll get to that so donna's like you know no funny business is my wedding and she's like yes i promise no funny business because apparently she's unaware of the whole kidnapping also why is donna getting married in a warehouse that's a question i had that remains unanswered <laughs> yes that's perplexing she seems like she could afford better she did afford three bodyguards to be fair they were not good bodyguards so perhaps she didn't pay very much money for them but <laughs> it seems like she could afford better if she can afford three bodyguards. also you think that like a mob family wedding would have some pizzazz yeah you think so <laughs> uh so we cut to the pre-ceremony millabout <laughs> the official title i don't know what they i mean it's not the reception because that's after the ceremony yeah the millabout i'm sure look danielle i don't know about weddings i'm not a wedding planner figure you know what i said so i'm happy with it <laughs> I knew what you meant. Yeah, good. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Moving on. In a decent gag, there's a gun check at the wedding where everyone like checks their gun, they hang up on little hooks. <laughs> That's uh, cute. Pretty funny. This movie has a pretty funny moment. Tori and Beefcake are scoping out the place, and Beefcake is still hitting on Tori, even though they're here to rescue her fiance. Awkward. And really, he is not a good person. He's not. I agree. Both James. You would think. So Tori tracks James with their phone app, but she can't really like see him from their vantage point. So the bad guys took James and let him keep his phone, or at least when they took it, never turned it off. That's what she's assuming. That's a choice. So uh, that's when Daddy Muscle says over the radio that they need to check out the crowd. And they brought him to the wedding venue? The, apparently, again, everything happens in the warehouse. <laughs> okay. The kidnaps happen in the warehouse. The wedding happens in the warehouse. Everything's at the warehouse, Danielle. <laughs> Sorry. one location. It's like the nexus of Jersey crime mob life, I guess. There's one warehouse. They're getting their money's worth out of it. Yeah. Well, apparently every person in the crowd has an outstanding bounty on them, like a lot of them. And so they're seeing dollar signs at this wedding. Mm -hmm. But Tori's like, hey, great. But maybe we should focus on seeing my fiance first, which again is the, is the one smart thing she said a whole movie. <laughs> so we cut to Minucci walking Donna down the aisle, again, in a warehouse. And it's not good. But you don't see the groom. You don't see what she's walking towards. Nope. Interesting choices. There's no one standing at the arch. <laughs> 
can't even show the arch and there's nobody there. I, I, I don't recall. Like, I didn't look that closely because I was writing my notes. But, like, I glanced up and I don't know if we got a clear shot of the arch or if there's anyone there. It's very weird. Um, I now like the idea that maybe Donna has, like, an imaginary fiancé and everybody's just humoring her. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> maybe there was an extra standing that I missed, but your idea is way better. <laughs> that makes that story much more interesting. <laughs> So Tori and Beefcake, they track James's phone into an empty room with the phone on just a chair. So it's clearly a setup. Clearly. I'm glad they were smart enough to take the phone away. But I bet he's still in the warehouse. Yeah, right. So that's when the bodyguard shows up and was like, you thought I'd be dumb enough to let him keep his phone? And yeah, apparently they did think he was dumb enough to let him keep his phone. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, does not speak highly of our bounty hunters. I mean, we've already established they're not the most intelligent bounty hunters. So we cut to the ceremony again as shots fire and Tori and Beefcake crash at the ceremony, guns drawn, shooting randomly at teams at things, but no one in the crowd is hurt and no one gets hit because again, Disney, ABC Family, WWE movie, so <laughs> no violence. People start panicking as Donna is pissed about the interruption to her wedding. She's like To her imaginary fiancé wedding. <laughs> she's like, Minucci, how could you? But Minucci just grabs a gun and also starts to miss. So Tori and Beefcake just start punching people because it's way more effective than using guns. I mean, yes. In this universe. Yes, it is. <laughs> Meanwhile, mom and bicep daddy steal a rack of checked guns. And also, we still haven't seen Donna's fiance. And she's unconcerned with his safety at this point. Like, <laughs> she starts hitting on someone else at the wedding. It's because he's not real. <laughs> Which, again, I wrote that. And not just say that, Danielle, you might be right. And it this, makes this could sense. be a way better explanation. <laughs> So a group of guests casually walk towards a large warehouse door like they're trying to leave, but are blocked by mom and daddy arm day who have guns trained on them. And the crowd seems apathetic to this. They're like, all right, fine, whatever. Well, they're all bounty hunters or something, right? Well, the mom and uh, dad are. The group, they're all mobsters. Well, then they're used to all this drama. Maybe. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tori is sneaking around the warehouse looking for Minucci. They exchange a few random bursts of ineffective gunfire before Tori parkours over to Minucci and uses much more powerful weapons. Wrestling moves. Uh, Yeah, I mean, in a movie with wrestlers, that is the most powerful takedown. But she gets her butt kicked anyway, because apparently she can't do anything right. (laughs) And she's only saved by the lucky position of a crane, which she manages to, like, release, and it slams into Minucci, knocking him down. Is Minucci also a wrestler? I don't know. I'm glad you did your research for this episode, Sam. I, I... I did enough to realize it's a WWE movie, and I think the two leads are wrestlers, and maybe that's it. I don't know. So (laughs) if a wrestling fan out there wants to do the research on this movie that was very hard to find any information on, please go ahead. I uh, do not care enough. (laughs) Ouch. I mean, it's fine. It doesn't matter who's a wrestler or not. That's just curious. All right, Danielle. Well, you know what? Maybe you should look up and let me know. I'd be, uh, appreciate that. Okay. Get on it. That's your homework. (laughs) Oh, I don't want homework. Tough. I have enough things to do. Idle hands, Danielle. Idle hands. At the devil's playground. I don't think that's the right phrase. <laughs> <laughs> so Tori holds a gun on Minucci, but Minucci reminds her, hey, I still have your fiance, so maybe you shouldn't shoot me lest he get killed too. But he's like, I'll make you a deal. I will let James go if you take his place as my prisoner. So... And James is like, no, Tori, or whoever you actually are, don't do that because James is a nice guy. So was the plan... To bring, like, interrupt his sister's wedding by bringing them to where James was being held, but to the fake phone in a separate room, even though James was being held in the same area. Yes, I guess. I I think the plan was either to lure them there using James's bait so they could capture them, or if that didn't work out, as a last-ditch bit of leverage to offer James up in exchange for Tori. Okay, and was there a reason this had to happen during Donna's wedding? 
Um, they wanted to have some fun shots of people in suits and a wedding. Just curious. <laughs> no, absolutely. It, it actually seems like it would be a less effective place to have it because maybe you could just position a million guys around the warehouse instead of a bunch of unarmed guests at a wedding. Yeah, I would agree. Despite James's protestations, Tori agrees and they don't let James go. They just like walk both James and Tori outside unrestrained, you know, out of the warehouse. Like, when are you going to let James go, guy? You got Tori, but apparently there's not time for that because Beefcake is hiding on the roof and he jumps down and he and Tori go to town on Minucci. So he just jumps from the roof on top of these guys. Yeah. Wrestlers, Danielle, they do that kind of stuff. <laughs> a roof. That's a really high... I mean, it wasn't that. Maybe like a, like a, a lower roof or like an awning thing, but it was still pretty high. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Look, he just threw a man over a railing into Santa's village and killed him. He does not care. <laughs> That's true. James stays remarkably calm throughout all of this and is mostly concerned with Tori's safety. Uh, meanwhile, Manucci gets a car and then so does Tori. And then Tori has her parents like open the warehouse door because she went back inside the warehouse to get the car, I guess. Like, I'm not sure. Like the geometry here eluded me for a second. <laughs> I-, I lost track of where everyone was. <laughs> Anyway, all of the bounties escape as they open the door to let them out. And then Tori T-bones Minucci because she drives through the warehouse door just as Minucci's driving past it. And timing's perfect. And so she T-bones Minucci and captures him. Yay! Cut to a bit later. All the police ambulances have now showed up because apparently they had to wait until this moment to do their jobs. Oh, good. I'm glad they finally made it. <laughs> yeah, right? The scathing indictment, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> And the cops take Minucci in. Apparently, he was an escapee, I guess. So if they had called like 12,000 years ago when they first saw yeah. him, this would have all been resolved. Yeah, exactly. They're just like, hey, uh, your escaped convict is calling me and I know where he is. Pick him up, maybe? She didn't even like bother to contact what she probably has. It's like some contact at the jail or the criminal s- yeah. system and been like, hey, how come he got released 20 years early? <laughs> Nothing. They did nothing. Wild. But they knew he was an escapee, apparently. That somehow makes it ten times worse. It's so bad. Now <laughs> it's so bad. Like, now I get why Manucci was like, oh, didn't call the cops on them when they broke into his warehouse. But, like, it makes them not involving law enforcement all the dumber. Oh, it's wild, man. Also, I don't know if this was mentioned earlier in the movie and I just missed it or if it just wasn't mentioned till now. And I'm willing to bet either, honestly. <laughs> Tori is very satisfied and bragging to Beefcake about how Manucci is going away for a long time. Unless, you know, he escapes again, which Apparently he can do. Yeah, apparently. Also, Manucci, if you just escaped, maybe starting a campaign of terror against your bounty hunter Kachi is not the best way to lie low. But, you know, what do I know? Immediately upon exiting the jail. <laughs> exactly. Like, start calling and kidnapping and leaving a paper trail or a digital paper trail, so to speak. And he stays local. <laughs> yeah, he just stays in the same time. He goes to the warehouse with his sister. Like, he doesn't like... It's dumb. Like, I think the first place the police would look if they're trying to track him down would be his sister. Yeah, that's wild to me. It's weird to me now that the cops and her never crossed path as they were trying to, like, get this guy. Again, I think they didn't have enough money to hire any extras. (laughs) Plot now makes actual less, like, actually less sense than it did before. It's it's remarkable, Dale. The more you learn about this movie, the less sense it makes. It's actually very impressive. I was with it until it happened. That somehow changed everything. You were with it? I wasn't. That was impressive, Danielle. (laughs) I was willing to go with it until I found out he was an escapee and then literally nothing made sense prior to that. (laughs) (laughs) I I reached my limit, my suspension of disbelief limit, the moment they dropped the giant brick in Donna's purse. (laughs) That's totally fair. Hey, we did it. And I'm like, you guys aren't very bright, are you? For that point, I'm like, none of this makes any sense. What if there's sequels to this movie? Oh, I don't think so, but I wish. <laughs> it's 
So how does this wrap up? She apparently doesn't end up with James. <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're getting there. So Beefcake takes this moment here to profess how much he loves her. And like, dude, come on. He then tells her like, when you left, you inspired me to do more. I'm now pre-law. And I'm hoping the next perfect girl in my life will stay because I have more to offer her than just being a bounty hunter. That makes me sad that he thinks that wasn't enough. Yeah. Also, like the fact that Tori made him think that does not make her a good person. No, it does. That's what I mean. <laughs> exactly yeah, what yeah. I meant. <laughs> so then Tori goes up to James, who wasn't the first person she talked to in this whole thing. She talked to her you know, ex-boyfriend, Beefcake, instead, which shows how bad she is at being a partner. So then Tori goes up to James and finally like, apologizes for lying. James is like, I wish you'd given me the chance to love the real you. Both the you in New York and the you here are awesome. And, and now that the three of us have all met, shall we try again? And then Tori is like, no, the terrible person she is. <laughs> She says, a big part of me wants to say yes, but even bigger part of me has realized that I'm still a bounty hunting Jersey girl. And so she dumps his ass right there. Because she can't be, she can't have James and be a bounty hunter. Like, he seems okay with it. He's not like saying on her to stop being a bounty hunter. He's like, you're awesome. The person you are here is still an awesome person. He literally says that. And she's like, nope, James, I'm sorry. I have to be a bounty hunter. The only way I can do that is not being with you. That's so sad. Poor James. Right? He deserves better. And she dumps him immediately after traumatic experience when he's still like at the ambulance with the like foil blanket and everything. Maybe he and Donna should get together. I mean, Donna seems like a nice person. Maybe <laughs> him and Liz the Leg should get together. Oh, I, I support that too. <laughs> she seemed cool. She brought donuts. <laughs> so... James, the prince that he is, only says, well, I'm going to miss you, Jersey girl, because he is the best <laughs> and deserves way better. <laughs> That's so sad. I feel bad for James. It gets worse, Danielle. How does it because get worse? Tori <laughs> then immediately parkours over some cars and jumps onto Beefcake's car as he's driving away, sticks her head down in front of the windshield, just like she did in that first scene with the mm -hmm. father and his son. And so then Beefcake stops, he gets out of the car, and she immediately like jumps on him, wraps her legs around him, starts making out with him. In front of James? <laughs> Seconds after dumping her fiancé in full view of her ex-fiancé. What is wrong with her? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What an awful human being. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so glad James is free of her because he can do so much better. He deserves the world, James. I'm here for you. If you need anything, you call me, James. That's so depressing. What a terrible way to break up with somebody. Tori is by far the most awful person in this movie. Like, I get that Beefcake was pretty bad for like not respecting her being with someone else. But the fact that like she broke up with him and made him feel like trash, that he wasn't enough, and that she then dumps her lovely boyfriend and then goes right back to her ex just confirming that the only thing that she's coming back to him for is the fact that he's now a lawyer or whatever or, or pre-law is like oh yeah you weren't enough for me but now that you're pre-law i'm all over you kind of thing like she's not a good person and everyone who's dating her is getting screwed <laughs> in terrible ways mentally <laughs> that's such a sad moral lesson <laughs> Cut to Christmas at the Bell House. They're welcoming Tori back home. And Mommy and the Sleeveless Wonder are going to take off for a late honeymoon across the country on some Harley Davidsons and leave Tori and Beefcake in charge. Blonde Nurse stops by with cookies that Cousin Bones is like super horny for those cookies. And she's just happy to see Tori and Beefcake back together because apparently she also does not care about James's feelings. Well, maybe she does. Maybe her master plan is to go get James. I hope that James finds... <laughs> 
someone that will really appreciate him for the amazing man that he and is. And bring him cookies and donuts. Oh, man, that'd be the best. He deserves it. What a punk. We cut to a view of them partying inside through a window. Snow is falling. It's night. Cheesy Christmas music is playing. We fade to black. We hear Santa go, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. And then rock music starts playing. And we cut to the cast all dancing on a stage for some reason <laughs> as the credits roll. And then James says, that's a wrap for Christmas bounty. And that's when I learned that this was an ABC Family production. Because their local comes up. <laughs> what a movie. <laughs> the end of a movie about just the worst people. Like, I get that most Hallmark movies have cartoonishly evil people in them, so you can root for the heroes to get together and not feel guilty about them hurting the feelings of the people they're breaking up with. Mm-hmm. This movie goes the opposite direction, where they make the heroes the cartoonishly evil people, and the people they break up with are the ones who deserve all the sympathy. Yeah, you really, like, I feel like recently every episode we had, every main character is, like, somehow topped the previous main character for being kind of terrible. <laughs> I guess that sort of kind of fits into our thing, Danielle. Like, weird media is often weird because it doesn't make sense. And one of the easy ways for it to make sense is to have a protagonist that you don't want to root for. Mm-hmm. And so if it's a terrible protagonist, like, that doesn't make sense. Like, why did I root for this awful person? And that's a pretty uh, common way we find, like, weird media that doesn't quite work. I know. But lately, it just feels like we've really stepped up the uh, unlikable protagonist game. <laughs> I honestly did not think that was going to be this movie. I was like expecting just a Hallmark movie with bounty hunters. Uh (laughs) And I was meant to be like, okay, he's going to be like a snob or he's not going to be okay with her family or something. I I thought I'm waiting for the heel turn from James where he shows that he's not okay with like her lifestyle or something. And it just never came. Yeah. And it would, again, as I said earlier, I think it would have been fine if the two people were equal, the two options or whatever were equally as decent as as human beings and she chose one over the other. That happens in real life. But like, she's a terrible person and she did it in such a terrible way. (laughs) Yes. It wasn't like she sat down with James and had a deep conversation about how, like, I, I can't do this. I really figured out that I still love Mike and I'm sorry for leading you on these past 10 months. Again, 10 months is not a super long time. So it's not like, you know, awful. Although you know, he did propose to her after 10 months, which is a little weird, but whatever. He really felt it. And she apparently did not. <laughs> No, apparently not. And that's why James deserved better. And yeah, so uh, weird. It's just very weird. And none of the people in this movie make any sense. They're all very stupid. <laughs> and I get that's a reverent comedy. So you don't have to like at me or something. But also like this felt especially dumb. Like the people in this movie seem too dumb to feed themselves <laughs> or exist. Like they seem like beyond the way they could function. This is like how they ever capture anybody, any bounties before this, how they make a living. <laughs> how is she a teacher? That's how you really feel, Sam. <laughs> Oh, it's it's bad. Like, they have no tactical sense at all. (laughs) Oh, well, anyway, any other questions about Christmas bounty, Danielle? Definitely not. I'm really sad, though, that there were no Sasquatch yetis or or other supernatural beings in it. I was kind of like a Sasquatch. (laughs) I'd like to follow Donna a bit more in the sequel. I want Donna and Liz the Legs to have, like, a Thelma and Louise style adventure. (laughs) I'd be down for that. Absolutely. Or maybe it's about how like they both hook up and find the best guys and like they help James get over Tori's awful treatment of him and realize that he was in an abusive relationship and he needs to do better. <laughs> Christmas and he, bounty and he too. deserves better, I should say. Christmas bounty. <laughs> no, Christmas bounty too. James's collar. <laughs> get it? Collar? Uh, uh, it doesn't uh, matter. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd watch that. I would too. I want to see this James be happy. All I want is James to be happy, <laughs> damn it. All right, well, 
if you out there have any ideas for who James should be with instead of the terrible Tory, you can send your ideas to us at bookretorts.com. You can also tweet, Instagram, or Facebook us at bookretorts. And if you would like to support us and find more of our nonsense, you can do that at our Patreon at patreon.com slash bookretorts. Woo, bookretorts. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> This is our Winter Bazaar, so next week you will get a short, but after that we'll have Danielle's lovely winter episode, so you'll have that to look forward to. Yay! My turn, my baby. Yeah, <laughs> don't call it a baby. I don't like that. <laughs> Bring it back around. So until then, bye! Take care, everybody. Uh, Minucci. <laughs> what was that? What was that? It was a sneeze. <laughs> From you or the cat? It was me. Okay. Told you a very runny nose this week. Oh, boy. I don't know if we're going to make your deadline, Daniel. <laughs> I'm <up>. trying. <laughs> <laughs>